皆様ご起立ください Konnichiwa, Olympics fans and lovers of Shukfustan. Welcome to Keep the Flame Alive, the podcast for fans of the Olympics and Paralympics. I am your host, Jill Jarris, joined as always by my lovely co host, Allison Brown. Allison, Konnichiwa. Konnichiwa. I'm a little sore from going splat off the high bar. Oh my goodness. It was an unbelievable competition in artistic gymnastics that, cl- that, that closed it out. And you had talked yesterday about how lovely it was to have. A gymnastics competition where if you fell, you were out, but.、Mm, well, we'll get、away. to talking about going splat. Exactly, exactly. So it was day、uh, day 12. We're on day 12 already. We are、wow. on day 12. Don't know what day of the week it is anymore. I can't remember anything, but I just know that there are Olympics and there's always something to watch. So let's get to it. Follow up file. If you have not watched the women's. Doubles badminton final. You must. You have to go back and see this. Gracia Pauly and、uh, Priyani Rahu had this amazing moment at about 118 minutes in to the feed. So rewind that a little bit, but if you only have a little bit of time, go there. So they're in the middle of a rally. The string breaks on Gracia's racket. She runs off, gets a new racket, runs back on, and the rally's still going. Yeah, Abriana is just sort of keeping it going while she's off court. It was insane. And then they won the point. It, it was amazing. Their celebration was so much. Grazia just pretty much breaks down because she can't believe it. So I'm, I looked a little into what the, the big deal was. Well, they were the first unseated pair to win. Doubles, women's doubles gold at the Olympics. They were the first pair from Indonesia to win any medal in the women's doubles discipline. Indonesia has now won Olympic gold in all five disciplines of badminton, and China is the only country who, ha- who has done this. I'd forgotten that we should know who Grecia Pauly is because she was one of the athletes disqualified in London for. Deliberately losing group matches to get better seating in the knockout rounds. Indonesia is going a little nuts. The government is expected to give each gold medalist 5 billion rupiah, which is about $345,000. And they're going to get other prizes too. In the past, winners have gotten houses, cars, and motorcycles. And, th- and this is information courtesy of the South China Morning Post. So the Uh, Vice Mayor of、uh, Tamahar, where、uh, Grazia's family has roots, is going to give her a piece of land.、Uh, YouTube in- influencer Arif Muhammad is going to give both of them meatball kiosks. <laughs> What a bizarre <laughs> prize. Um, and then another、uh, entrepreneur is going to give each of them、uh, 500 million rupiah, which Got to be not, not a bad prize either. The tourism and creative and economy minister is going to give them free travel to six of Indonesia's biggest tourist attractions. They could buy an entire island. I mean, Indonesia has you know, many, many, many small, unpopulated islands. They could just have badminton haven. There you go. So, definitely a match worth watching. 
had to follow up on the women's 1500 because we mentioned Sifan Hassan from Netherlands had won gold in the 5,000. But what we didn't really know was she had the 1500 meters earlier that day. These were the heats and she tripped as part of a chain collision, got up, caught up with the rest of the group and then won her heat. And then later on that day, went on to win the 5,000 meters. And I know she's got this insane schedule because she's running like three or four races and they're all long distance. And how I, I know people, I know at least the announcers in America are like, oh my, this 200 meter sprinter's got a race in the morning and then another race right after it. Oh, how are they going to manage? And uh, she's just doing these insanely long distances so basically she's just running the entire time she's in tokyo (laughs) right between the heats and the semis of the i think she's in three distance events yeah it's it's crazy and i had read somewhere that she declined to go through the mix zone and for after one of her races and the official was like basically she said i I gotta go rest for my next race and good on her for saying no so when i was a kid there was a commercial for a local news station about there goes that news van again meaning the news van was everywhere so i think in tokyo it's oh there's stephen hassan again (laughs) (laughs) she's everywhere on the track yesterday we talked about my officiating or volunteer job possibly being driving the relief pitcher cart at the baseball venue. Well, that apparently is getting mixed reaction from the players, according to the Asahi Shimbun. I'll put an article up in the Facebook group, and I'll probably tweet it out too, because uh, this cart is not new to Japan pro baseball, but these carts were apparently made for the games because I believe they're labeled Tokyo 2020 and some of them just don't know what to do with it. And, and don't, they just don't like the ride. They're a little worried that it's not going to be safe. So I don't know if I'd want to do that job now. They they do not want to be held in the comfort of the leather <laughs> of the glove. It does not cushion them the way it should. Hmm. With the Belarusian situation, uh, the IOC has decided to launch a formal investigation of the situation and the National Olympic Committee of Belarus, they have said, we don't know how long this will take. So it, I, I would not imagine that this is going to be done before the end of the games. So keep listening to the podcast after. We will keep an eye on it. I vaguely remember in the winter, there was an investigation of the Belarusian NOC. Does that? Yeah, I think some strongly worded letter, letters were sent because remember there were allegations that some athletes were being withheld funding because they disagreed with the government. And that's a, that's a real tough issue here. So they felt they were being discriminated against and went to the IOC and the IOC is like, Oh yeah, you got to stop doing this. So Belarus is living on the edge. In rule 50 protests, the New York times reported that uh, Raven Saunders who won uh, silver in the shot put and after the medal ceremony was over, but while she was still on the podium, she had a a protest. Um, She said there were a whole group of Americans who are planning to protest. So we'll see what happens throughout the games. Uh, Race and Bowden was apparently protesting with the black X with a circle around it that he had on his hand. And it's funny because you'd, it's really hard to find a picture of it because his hand, that hand is either behind a back or it's angled so that you can't see it with a camera. And uh, somebody on Twitter pointed out, well, he's getting a lot of press, but you know, if you don't see the protest, how long does that press really last? 
is it a protest if nobody sees it? Right, right, right. We'll, we'll get to hammer throw in a minute, but the other big athlete that people were going to look at was Gwen Berry, who didn't even make it to the finals of the women's hammer throw. So if she had planned a podium protest, that it wasn't going to happen. So we'll see what else uh, any other Americans come up with. However, some other people who could be in trouble for a Rule 50 violation are Bao Shangju and Zhang Tianxi from China, who are the women's team sprint track cycling champions. They wore pins with uh, former Chinese President Mao Zedong on the podium, and that is a violation of showing political things on the podium. So the IOC has asked for an explanation of that. In COVID news, a Moldovan Olympic official who is acting as a COVID-19 liaison officer at Tokyo 2020 went sightseeing in the Japanese capital. So now he's been accused of gross violations. You know, when you're a COVID-19 liaison, it's pretty much understood that you follow the COVID protocol, right? Remember when I said, don't be stupid, like a hundred times before the games? <laughs> Maybe I should have had it translated into multiple right. languages. Right. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Inside the Games reported that Georgian national shot put record holder Benik Abramian, who was due to take part in the shot put qualifying competition, was suspended provisionally following an adverse finding of an out-of-competition test on July 31. It showed traces of two banned steroids, and he did not compete. That's interesting that they're catching things before competition happens. We hope. I yeah, I, I do hope that that's the case. We'll find out if uh, anybody else decides to be stupid. In other news, uh, some Australian athletes caused damage to their athletes' village rooms before they left. And uh, what happened is a few beds were broken and a hole was put into a wall. Nothing was said about how big the hole was, but uh, they apologized. And, you know, the um, team, uh, Chef de Michon, uh, Ian Chesterman said, oh, well, you know, they apologized and kids will be kids. So they're not going to do any disciplinary action. And also because the beds are cardboard and they're like, you know, the beds are probably going to break. <laughs> but to me, the better part of the story is that the life-size mascots went missing. <laughs> and just the fact that there is an emu and a kangaroo as life-size mascots in the Team Australia block is the most interesting part of the story to me. <laughs> but they came back home and Chesterman said uh, it, in the Asahi Shimbun, it, they reported that he said, it seems they enjoyed a pleasant holiday in Deutschland. <laughs> the mascots enjoy holidays in the village from time to time, but we're very pleased that they are back. Well, uh, Marnie McBean has been posting how Ocha, the Canada's moose, has mm -hmm. been wandering around the village. So this seems to be a way... <laughs> for the athletes to have a little fun in this sort of no fun situation they're stuck in. Exactly. Listener Meredith posted in our Facebook group a question wondering what would happen for, if anything, as a remembrance of the victims of the 1945 atom bombing in Hiroshima. 
And guess what? The IOC rejected Hiroshima's request to honor these victims by having a moment of silence at the venues and other Olympic places on the day of the bombing. The organizing committee said there were various reasons for this because, uh, and the biggest one is that the closing ceremony has a segment commemorating people who have died in historic tragedies and it's based on an IOC policy. So that's when people of Hiroshima should share their feelings, basically. Well, considering it took them all this time to acknowledge the victims of 1972 that happened at an Olympics, they're certainly not going to jump to acknowledge the victims of Hiroshima. Right. I would agree with you on that. So where is Marnie McBean today? So, so far, she has been to canoe sprint, volleyball, water polo, and sport climbing. Very nice. She's getting around. She is not letting up. What officiating or volunteer job do we want? So remember you mentioned a few days ago about the athlete moment where it had the Mm -hmm. screen so that athletes could talk to their families at home? Right. Well, it seems like it is at every venue. Mm -hmm. And yesterday at Athletics, I noticed that there is an assistant who helps get the right screen connected. I want to be her. This is so you. Like connecting people. This is so you. And the last part was after the hurdles, which we'll get to, the Brazilian runner Dos Santos, the girl who had helped was standing there crying. Aww. As she was watching him talk to his family. Aww. It's my job. Also, yeah. And I think you would also be like, just have a, you'd have your, your headphones and whatever radio communication. She had a clipboard. And a clipboard. And then you would have like a big box of Kleenex around your neck <laughs> because you would need it for every athlete. I think I'd have it on my hip so that everybody could just take one as they come by. <laughs> I saw the hurdle cart that you mentioned after the 400 meter hurdles. I saw it and like, ooh, that is a job to have. However, you know, with the end of the um, gymnastics competition, there is a job that I found out about during uh, the U.S. Classic Gymnastics meet when our Chuklastani Chelsea Memo uh, fell off the the uneven bars. And there is a position who is a timer who times the 30 seconds that they have to get back on the bars. And I'm very good with timing 30 seconds on a stopwatch. And I have very good stopwatches. So I would love to have that job. How is our fantasy league doing? Pretty much the same as yesterday. Uh, In the main fantasy league, Sholastan is still killing us all. At 687, India Delight is holding strong in second at 275. Colibri's at 248. I'm sorry, Jill, you fall into fifth. That's okay. I keep forgetting to lock in my days. And I'm doing it to myself. And brackets are unchanged from uh, the last couple days. So I guess we haven't gotten new results. Okay. Very good. So what is up with Mike and Maya? This is Mike and Maya who are in the Toyota's uh, first date ad where Mike asks Maya to the dance in the school hallway, except for Mike is actually on a big robot propelled screen because Mike is in the hospital with broken leg. Um, And we've seen it about 25,000 times. At least. It's, it's amazing. But I will, I, 
I will know that there are new commercials going on my feed nonstop because I'm I'm getting sick of the guy who can't figure out where the tennis park is without Google. Anyway, so listener Brian has a theory. He thinks that Maya's dad is the guy in the Chevy truck commercials, which are also on play, I guess, on the broadcast stream, because there is a, a cat in the commercial who acts like a dog and the cat's name is Walter and Walter like jumps in the water and fetches balls and, you know, chases cats up trees and does all these things that dogs would do. And, uh, and, and when I, when I looked at this commercial, he does bear a striking resemblance to Maya. You could put the two, you could say that if they were standing next to each other, yeah, I'd believe that she is his kid. So, so there's potential for a big log automotive collaboration at the Olympics. <laughs> but would that mean that Walter is also Maya's cat? Because I think Maya would have a much cooler cat than Walter. Than Walter? Well, yeah, she'd have to unless her parents were divorced and she lived with mom. Because dad also looks like he could be living on his own. Because he's going on all these adventures just with Walter the cat. Mm -hmm. I could see him being a divorced dad. Yeah. Because he's really into that workspace on his truck. Yeah. So he probably is a workaholic. Hmm. Okay. To be continued. I, I, and if you have a theory about Mike and Maya, we would love to hear it. You can post it in our Facebook group or email us at flamealivepod at gmail.com or you can uh, text or voicemail us at 208-352-6348. That's 208-FLAMEIT. Okay, before we get to today's action, we would like to tell you a little bit about our Kickstarter campaign that is to help us get to the Winter Olympics and Paralympics in Beijing. We've been accredited, which is a big surprise to us. There are now less than 200 days away from those games, and uh, we have to figure out how to get there because we have a very small budget, and our budget did not include travel to the games for a few more years. And so we could really use your help in getting us there and bringing you a podcast experience that is like no other. And uh, we are really excited to be able to go behind the scenes and let you know what it's really like at the games. So if you are, had the ability, we would appreciate your donations. You can find out more about our campaign and check out our, our supporter bonuses. We're sending postcards from the Olympics. We still have one mascot slot left and much, much more. It's kickstarter.com slash profile slash flame alive pod. And we are at about 25% funded. It's an all or nothing campaign. So if we can't fund it all, uh, we lose it. And that's going to be really crushing for us. But uh, mascots, we have one spot left. So if you have a pet and you'd like it to be our mascot for a week, get on that. Because you know I will gush over your pet. I know, I know. Our first competition is artistic gymnastics, and this is the end of the tournament for them. We've all survived the gymnastics competition. <laughs> Barely. Right. So this was men's parallel bars and horizontal bar and women's balance beam, all individual competitions. Now, you saw part of this. I saw part of parallel bars, and then NBC quickly embargoed my feed before I finished. Okay. 
And then I woke up just in time for Simone Biles on Balance Beam and watched the rest of the Balance Beam competition and then had the horizontal bar on and and kind of looked up from time to time. As everyone Um, fell down. Yeah, exactly. Oh, my goodness. That was just really crazy. So in parallel bars, gold went to China's Zhao Jingwan. Uh, silver went to Germany's Lucas Dowser. And bronze went to Turkey's Ferhat Arikan. In balance bean, China took the gold and the silver. Guan Chenchen won gold. And Tang Xixin won silver. And Simone Biles came back and won the bronze. She and did, it- in fact change her routine she changed she, did. she changed her dismount and i think she took out one series in the middle oh okay i wasn't aware of that the series but i knew she took out the twist uh, she, yeah she just did a double pike as a dismount so that was a little lower difficulty for her but her routine was clean and very well done i was honestly a little she did some wolf spins and I was honestly worried that that would mess up her equilibrium a bit and did not seem to factor. It was as she was, seemed to be very happy to be back in competition. The beam competition was really good. The Chinese gymnasts were, I mean, they won for a reason because they were excellent. Yeah, this is the first time that China has really factored all comp, all tournaments. It, right. It's been disappointing Olympics for them. So it'll be interesting to see in the next it's not a quad, it's a trio, I guess, the next three years, because gymnastics is a place where they expect to medal a lot, and they did not this time. Then in the men's horizontal bar, oh, when you fall in horizontal bar, you really fall. And and you talked yesterday about how great this apparatus is, and it is also my favorite apparatus in the men's. And gymnasts were falling off left and right, falling twice in one routine, so if it, it it just was it was really really sad. If you were clean or cleanish, you got you could have gotten on the medal stand. So gold went to Japan's Hashimoto Daiki, silver went to Croatia's Tin Serbic, and bronze went to ROC's Nikita Nagorny. So usually in high bar, in the apparatus final, because you've got high bar specialists, they're doing these release moves that are not humanly possible, but this, everybody fell down. Yeah. And again, that goes back to the conversation we had about, is it better to have more difficulty and not have a clean routine or have a clean routine with less difficulty or, and with the not clean routine with a high difficulty, you're also dealing with a higher danger factor. So it'll be interesting to see if FIG cares about that to be quite honest well fig has already released the new code of points Mm -hmm. leading into paris i wonder if they will amend them they have not done that in a big way you know they've made little changes because you know things have been introduced but i wonder if they'll turn around and say you know what we take it back we're going to redo it again based on what happened at this olympics which is usually how they do it And Nastia Lukin said on Twitter that nothing makes me happier than the rules being changed and a tie at the Olympic Games not being broken, especially if and when the difficulty plus execution scores are the exact same. So that must be talking about the floor routine. With the double bronze. Yes. Yes. 
So we were right to be confused. There was a rule change. Exactly. Uh, moving over to artistic swimming, where Arsha Klastani, Jacqueline Simino, and Claudia Holzer uh, competed in the duet technical routine. They are sitting in fifth place and have qualified for the final round. They were thrilled with their scores. They were, which is good. So themes that we saw in artistic swimming, we saw a baseball routine, including hats. Which I did see. I didn't watch all of it because I I love Jacqueline and I know artistic swimming is insanely difficult, but it is also off the deep end when you're talking about <laughs> these routines. Because I saw the baseball one and I went, baseball hats? And I did see the can-can one, too. Yes. Did you see the one where they did the rock version of Fur Elise and they were pianos? No, I did not. <laughs> but the best one was the Mexican pair who did flash dance with the headbands. <gasps> and I know Jackie has told us that the costumes are a little ridiculous. <laughs> if you watch nothing else, please go watch the Mexicans and their flash dance. Because they're maniacs in the pool. <laughs> Were they maniacs in their deck work too? Oh, yes, they were. They did the whole little leg move from oh. the movie. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. Because I also love deck work and the fact that it's pretty much expected, but they don't judge it. But you have like 30 seconds to, to strut your stuff and then jump Set in the, the mood. Yeah, right. And it's just like, well, if you're not going to. And I feel like artistic swimming is one of those sports where somebody did something that was a little extra and it caught everybody's eye and they said oh we got to do that too and that's where we've gotten all these just outlandish elements of this competition of the sport and shark why, fins on your head yeah and that's why people make fun of it so oh by the way because and you mentioned this to me before we taped if you haven't seen the shark fins, they will be back because they're doing the freestyle routine one more time. I will be tuning into that. <laughs> In athletics, if you have not watched the men's 400 meter hurdles, just stop the podcast right now. Go pull it up. It is the race of the Olympics, hands down. And also hand, uh, really sad that there aren't 70,000 people in that stadium oh. watching it. Holy cow. So in uh, just a few weeks ago, Karsten Varholm got the world record in the 400 meter hurdles. It hadn't been broken. It, the last time it was set was like 1992. Yes. Something like that. And so he got the old record. It was 46.70. He goes out for this final and gets a 45.94. Obliterates this record by almost a second, which is unheard of. He's running at almost as fast as a regular 400 sprinter would do. And he's jumping over 10 hurdles while he's doing it. Then the, the race is fantastic because Varholm's known for his quick starts and he did get out quick. And the other big competition was uh, USA's Rye Benjamin and he's known for his finishes. So he was coming strong on the finish with like two hurdles to go. And uh, he's coming up and he's just about even to Varholm. And I thought, oh my goodness, Benjamin's going to pass him. 
And all of a sudden, Varholm found another gas tank in his feet and turned it on and just pulled away from him and won in this brand new world record time. Ryan Benjamin, no slouch either. He came in at 46.17, which would have broken the world record too, which is insane. Uh, Brazil's Alison DeSantos, he came in at 46.72, which was almost the world record. He got a personal best and a, a national, like seven of the eight finalists got world records or national records or area records or season's best times. It was an amazing, amazing race. If you like beautiful running, this is the race to watch. And they were all so excited but confused. It seemed like their reaction was just, we all just broke the world record and yet I didn't win. It was unbelievable. But to me, the, the funniest moment was at the very end. Karsten Barholm went to tear open his shirt, but the top didn't unhook. So he sort of ended up with this cute little keyhole opening. But he didn't quite know what to do with himself. So he sort of went to do the shirt tear, but it didn't tear. And then he realized what happens and he kind of falls over, but then he's excited again. I noticed that shirt tear too. And then he starts to cry, but then he starts to jump up and down. He didn't quite know what to do with himself. And that was really amazing. And what I would love to know, and this is something to to see if it's in the coverage, how did the heat affect them? Because it was really hot at the stadium and it was nearing 40 degrees or so celsius so we're getting into like the upper 90s with the and then you add the humidity which takes it over 100 degrees and other you could tell that other athletes in other parts of the track uh, the the athletics competition were suffering from the heat but i don't know how if if it's that hot does it make you run faster Are you just like, I got to get back inside. Let's just get this over with as quickly as possible. It's because Karsten is a Norwegian Viking. Very true. (laughs) So I'd also like to point out that once again, this Allison, not me. The whole group of the medalists here are so talented and should just be really proud of what they did because it's unbelievable what happened at that race. At the women's long jump, Germany's Malaka Mihambo won gold and she was thrilled. Just like, I can't believe. And, you know, I do feel bad for the jumpers because they're jumping up, you know, they realize they've won and they're jumping up and down. And it's not like the end of a race where everybody saw the finish. You just have to hope that some people were watching your long jump competition too and and can celebrate with you. Um, Silver went to the USA's Brittany Reese and bronze went to Nigeria's S.A. Brume. Uh, in the men's pole vault, Sweden's Armand Duplantis won gold, USA's Christopher Nilsson won silver, and Brazil's Thiago Braz won bronze. I have to go back and watch this because I missed it, and I, I just had a horrible morning with trying to figure out what was on when, where was the right feed that I needed to be watching, and I just kept missing things. And that made me very sad. And I was having all kinds of trouble with NBC embargoing feeds in the middle of me watching things. Which also stinks. And 
that makes for a very frustrating experience. So NBC got to figure this out because if the digital games are, they're a thing to stay and NBC's just way, a lot of their coverage is blowing it old fashioned. Yeah. Um, but that is one I do want to go back and watch because Duplantis is a really good pole vaulter Uh, in the women's hammer throw. Oh, oh, what a rough competition. People were fouling left and right. And they seem to be having all kinds of trouble with the cage. And pretty early on, they tried to, the officials were resetting the cage and it still didn't seem right. It looked a lot narrower. I know it's a narrow opening, but it looked narrow to me. And yeah, tons of people just scratched and scratched for hitting the cage. And you also had a lot of people scratching because they left the circle before they were allowed to. And it really affected our Shuklastani Deanna Price because she had a couple of scratches. She got a throw off that was like in the 72 meter range. And if you remember, like at the U.S. trials, she hit 80 meters and she's just not throwing as well. And she looked really happy when she did the walkout. And then as the competition started going on, she just looked more concerned and more anxious and was trying, you could see her trying to get out of it and just in her eyes and how she carried her body, trying to get out of that. She managed to get eighth place in the first round, which allowed her to be in the finals, but she couldn't get out of eighth. Her best throw was 73.09, which was five meters behind the gold medal. Yeah, I'd be interested to see what was happening with that cage because I've never seen so many people hit the cage. Yeah. Oh, oh. And another, um, another thing where when I first turned on the coverage, I found what was being broadcast and it was a, it was the usual American coverage of a track meet, which is we'll show every single step that a sprinter takes and then we'll cut over to the hammer throw and we'll cut over to the shot put and we'll cut over here and then we'll come back because, you know, a sprinter moved their hand and we have to show that. So in one of the things, uh, a hammer got stuck in the cage pretty high up and they had to get a lat. and the, the announcers were saying, oh, they usually get a ladder over to get it down. And you know what I wanted to see? That ladder and them getting this hammer down and they cut over to something else. And then I was like, where, oh my goodness, my feed, my feed. And then I found it on the, on my, my computer, I found the feed, but I couldn't go backwards enough to get to it. So now I got to put that on my list too. Because they were embargoing the feed. Yeah. But you know what I did see? What did you see? The little mini ambulance bringing the hammers back to the throwers. (laughs) I love those things. That's fantastic. But yeah, it was really tough for Deanna. And I'd like to know if heat was a factor in the humidity, because if they were sweating a lot, did that affect how they held or made it hard to throw the hammer at the right time? Because it's really a lot of precision timing when you when you throw those things. So uh, very rough. Gwen Berry didn't even make it into this round of eight people, but gold went to uh, Poland's Anita Vol- Voldarczyk, and she is a three-time winner. 
which is pretty amazing. Silver went to China's Wang Zhen, and bronze went to Malvina Kopran, also from Poland. So that was nice that two Polish athletes were on the stand. In the women's 800 meters, gold went to USA's Mu Ating, silver went to Great Britain's Keely Hodgkinson, and bronze went to USA's Raven Rogers. So in the women's 200-meter final, gold went to Jamaica's Elaine Thompson-Hara, silver went to Namibia's Kristen Mboba, bronze went to USA's Gabrielle Thomas. So Thomas-Hara has a double. Yeah. Pretty impressive. Very good. In baseball, in the knockout stage, uh, Dominican Republic beat Israel 7-6. Now, I realized that uh, people have been talking about the fact that baseball is a double elimination tournament, which we have messed up, I have to say, because we kept thinking that, oh, we have knockouts and semis and and they're going to go on to the finals. But there's a double elimination. So even though the U.S. lost to Japan yesterday, they can still make the gold medal game. So I don't even know where we are anymore with the baseball tournament. We're just playing games at this point. Not a good way to keep baseball in the games. In basketball, it was the men's quarterfinals, and Slovenia defeated Germany 94-70, USA beat Spain 95-81, France beat Italy 84-75, and Australia beat Argentina, but I don't have the score here. The men's semifinals will be USA versus Australia and Slovenia versus France. In beach volleyball, uh, USA's Ross and Kleiman defeated Germany's Ludwig Kozic 2-0. They will face Switzerland's Veres Dupree and Heydrich, who defeated Anna Patricia and Rebecca 2-1. They were from, uh, Anna Patricia and Rebecca from Brazil. That was a stunning upset. And then uh, Latvia's Gradina and Krausiknoka defeated Canada's Bainsley and Wilkerson 2-1. And uh, another... Upset. This is stunning. Australia's Archacho del Solar and Clancy defeated Canada's, like, they're the top of the, the, rank, the world rankings. Uh, Pavan and Humana Paradis, two to one. Wow, wow, wow. In boxing, we have uh, medals for the women's featherweight. Uh, gold went to Japan's Irei Senna. Silver went to the Philippines' Nesti Paticio. And bronzes went to Italy's Irma Testa and Great Britain's uh, Karis Artingstall. In the men's welterweight, gold went to Cuba's Ronald Iglesias. Silver went to Great Britain's Pat McCormick. Bronze went to ROC's Albert Batirgaziev and Cuba's Lazaro Alvarez. In the canoe sprint, in the women's kayak single 200 meter, New Zealand's Lisa Carrington won her third straight gold medal in this event. So, yay, silver ferns. Uh, Spain's Teresa Portella won silver. And Denmark's Emma Ostrand Jorgensen won bronze. I did watch this race. Oh. And here was the funniest part. The Portuguese racer was also named Teresa Portella. <gasps> no. So it <laughs> got very confusing. So he kept saying Spain and Portugal, but then he would say Teresa, and then he realized, wait, they have the same name. <laughs> and it's pronounced slightly differently, you know, from the Portuguese and the Spanish, but pretty much you had two women with the same name in the wow. finals together. Wow. I wonder if that's happened before. It because must. Yeah. Interesting. In the men's canoe double 1,000 meters, gold went to Cuba, silver went to China, and Germany took the bronze. 
in uh, men's kayak single 1,000 meters. Gold went to Hungary's Balant Kopash. Silver went to Hungary's Adam Varga. And bronze went to Portugal's Fernando Pimenta. In the women's kayak doubles 500 meters, gold went to New Zealand, silver went to Poland, and bronze went to Hungary. Very nice races. In track cycling, oh, I could not, I haven't watched this, but I'm very excited to watch this because, as we know, the Izu Velodrome has fans, but track cycling is also very cool. And it was the women's team pursuit and the men's team sprint. In the women's team pursuit, Germany took the gold, Great Britain took silver, and bronze went to the USA. In the men's team sprint, lots of drama. Uh, the uh, Alex Porter, who is an Australian cyclist, he was riding in his qualifier. His handlebar snapped off. He went down. He got like uh, floor burns because he got uh, burns and skin damage on his face, arms, and legs. He passed concussion protocol. And so there's a rule in the Cycling Federation that you can get a redo if you go down, not because of something that, like a, an act of God kind of thing. So if you have a collision with another cyclist, so sad, too bad, you're out. But your handlebar snaps off. Well, that's not supposed to happen. So you get a redo. However, the team had already ridden a thousand meters. So they're already tired. They're in shock because their their teammates been hurt and his bike snapped apart. So they had to ride, but they still had to ride again in like within 30 minutes or so. And they couldn't qualify on the second attempt. They're going to have to hope that they can get into the bronze medal race. And apparently the bike component that was involved with the crash has been taken off the market, says the Australian. Have they been taken off the market because of the accident or had yeah. been taken off the market? So, wow. Yeah, because of all of a sudden there are questions about the integrity of this component, like immediately. And thank you to uh, listener Jennifer for sending us that story. It's intense. And and in, in case I've messed this up, the, the Alex Porter crash happened in the men's team pursuit. Oh, right. Because Alex could be women or men. No, I think you said it was in the men's team. Okay. <laughs> I don't know anymore. In diving, the men's three-meter springboard finals took place. Did you see any of this? I watched the whole thing. Oh, how? Tell me all about it. It was up and down. So there was some amazing, beautiful dive. The Chinese were beautiful. The Brits kind of split. There were rounds that were perfect, and there were rounds that were a mess. But you have to watch it if just to see Evgeny Kutsanov. He's the ROC diver. He has this long, bushy beard and these two tattoos on each side of his bald head. He really looks like a Viking. Um, is he a Russian Viking? Apparently, I didn't know we had Russian Vikings, but clearly when you see the guy, you'll be frightened of him. I would not dive against him because I think he might come out of the water and hit me with something. Well, I, I definitely will check that out. And the other thing that was really fun was the other British diver, uh, James Heatley, is this giant ginger from Edinburgh, who you would not expect to be such a beautiful diver. He had a rough up and down, but when he was on, man, is he gorgeous to watch. All right. In that, the uh, China's Xi Siyi won gold, uh, China's Wang Zhanghuan won silver, and Great Britain's Jack Law won bronze. 
in Equestrian, I haven't gotten to watch this, but people will want to know because people have been asking about uh, Jessica Springsteen. The jumping competition got underway. It was the individual qualifier, and she did not make it on. She is riding Don Juan Vandedonkova, and she placed uh, tied for 31st place. She had four penalties, scored 87.15 points, and it, only the top 30 riders moved on. But she tied she tied for 31st with one, two, three. Like eleven people tied for thirty first. So it wasn't like they were they were far out of the mix. In uh football, the men's semifinals happened. Uh Brazil and Mexico were tied at the end of regulation, but Brazil won in a shootout four to one, and Spain beat Japan one to nothing. And that makes me feel bad because I think the host nation to do well. But they'll be playing for the bronze. On the women's side, uh, U.S. goalkeeper uh, Alyssa Naher was hurt in uh, the last game that the U.S. played. She will not be playing in the bronze medal soccer match uh, because she has suffered a hyperextension of her right knee and a bone contusion, says U.S. soccer. In handball, it was the men's quarterfinals. France defeated Bahrain 42-28. Spain defeated Sweden, 34-33. Denmark defeated Norway, 31-25. Egypt defeated Germany, 31-26. I saw a little bit of the Egypt-Germany match. That looked intense. I really do want to go back and see uh, Spain and Sweden because that one-point game and Sweden's kind of a powerhouse. Huh? So the semifinals will be France and Egypt and Spain versus Denmark. And hockey, men's semifinals. Oh, I tuned into some of the first half of Belgium and India, and India was winning 2 nothing. So when I went back to look at the score and Belgium beat them 5-2, what happened? What happened, India? You were doing so well. But it was hot. It was apparently really, really hot there, the hockey pitch. And um, Australia beat Germany 3-1. to So India and Germany will face off for the bronze, and Australia and Belgium will be going for the gold. In sailing... Uh, the foiling NACRA 17 mixed had its final race. Gold went to Italy. Great Britain took silver and Germany took bronze. There were races that were rescheduled from previous days. In the uh, women's 49er FX, which sadly are Shuklastani's Stephanie Robel and Maggie Shea did not get to participate in. Gold went to Brazil. Silver went to Germany. Uh, bronze went to Netherlands. And our Shuklastani's finished in 11th. In the men's 49er, gold went to Great Britain, silver to New Zealand, bronze to Germany. And in the men's uh, fin, gold went to Great Britain's Giles Scott. Uh, silver went to Hungary's Shambor Baric. And bronze went to Spain's Juan Joan Cardona Mendez. In sport climbing, they had the men's combined qualification. Okay, I watched this. I watched some of it. I had the feed on. And I would mute it from time to time. Skateboarding, freestyle BMX, surfing. All of you commentators, tune into sport climbing and listen to the people on the feed do the job the way it's supposed to be done. They are so good at explaining the sport as you go along. And they'll like cut away to uh, remind you what the, the degree angle of the course is like and show you different things. And 
they talk about, oh, the core center intended this for this to happen. And they're trying to figure, you know, it's really fun to see the creativity in these climbers. I, I Honestly, I think this one is going to be the breakout of the new sports added to the program. Surfing might be up there because people seem to really like the surfing competition, but the coverage of it, I think, was so poor that it doesn't make sense. Sport climbing, I think, is something that people will be able to understand and can get behind. And Good. I think that kids could get excited about doing it because it looks cool. Um, the interesting part about this is that the sport climbing is made up of three disciplines and they combine all three of them. So first is a speed competition where they climb up this wall and they have to do it as fast as possible. And they're doing it in like six seconds, which is just kind of insane. And then you start thinking, well, everybody's this quick. And when you see somebody get like a seven second time, you can tell they just slow down and you, and that's when you realize, oh, this is really, really hard. And I wish they had better cameras. Sometimes they did. They got a different angle and like an angle from above, but I wanted a side angle so that you could see their legs move and the muscles work because they have that slow. Have you noticed how like super slow-mo the slow-mo is so much that like muscles ripple on everybody? Have you noticed this? No, I did not. But now I will look. Oh, just I will look watch. for mi rippling muscles. Watch. And, and it's not even any muscles you want rippling. <laughs> but you'll see it in diving. <laughs> go watch the diving competition. You'll, you'll see some stuff ripple and go, wow. <laughs> I didn't know that's what that looked like. But but I, I want to see the angle. And I'd love to see more top down so you can better see the angle of of what they're climbing at. Cause they're, they're at like five degrees or 15 degrees sometimes uh, angling backwards. The um, bouldering portion is a second bit. And as Josh Levin told us, they don't get to see that course. So it's all three of the, the wall, climbing walls are in the same venue and they're all kind of together, but bouldering is all covered up and then they take it down. It take down the cover and the, the climbers can't see it. And they come out one at a time and they have four different problems they have to solve. And honest to Pete, I looked at those and went, oh, those look really easy. And then nobody was getting through the first one. And then it was like, well, I learned my lesson. But I think, I, I wonder what it's like watching this in person because on TV, the it doesn't translate as well. Because I don't think you see the difficulty that is in some of these things. I think some of the the obstacles kind of flatten out and the rocks flatten out a little bit. But uh, that was cool. And then the last portion is lead, where, again, they're going up this giant tower wall of rocks. and But this time they're attached to a rope. So they get as far as they can. And they get to the top. That's great. But if, they, if not, they just kind of fall off the wall. It's a little scary. The interesting thing is that uh, and NPR, I believe, had a story called, uh, talking about how real climbers hate the speed element because not everybody does that. And I think for Paris, they're breaking out speed into its own competition and bouldering and lead, which are a lot more similar. And what climbers like about them is that you can be creative. And, and that is true, especially in bouldering, because you had to figure out the problem and there are very many different creative ways to solve the problem. And uh, one thing the commentators were mentioning is that on one of the problems, somebody figured out how to 
solve the problem by facing the audience and many climbers before them hadn't and you the commentators would say oh yeah the, that's how the course and the course setter intended that problem to be solved like oh you figured out what they wanted now i want to talk to a course setter you want to talk to course setters in almost everything that has courses everything that, and oh my gosh Allison, <laughs> you know how much i want to talk floors and turf I'm so excited. Would you like to know how I would solve this problem? How would you solve this problem? An elevator. <laughs> I can just see. What if you hit the wrong button? That would be. <laughs> what is this, Wiley Coyote? <laughs> hit the wrong button. Or you dash into your competitor's elevator and hit all of their buttons and then run out and get into yours. <laughs> I would do Pull the emergency button. <laughs> but yeah, if you haven't watched sport climbing, tune into it because I think we still have finals and there's still the women's side to go. And it, it, it does look really cool. And I will say, I think this is this is a sport that people will go, I love sport climbing at the Olympics. And they watch it once every four years. But it is something, at least in the U.S., that's pretty easy to try. Yes, there, there are a lot of climbing gyms and climbing walls. You know, and good for kids, good for families. It's definitely one of those sports that could become very popular as an activity. Mm -hmm. And then you watch it. So you've got some connection to it. You know, in table tennis, we had some of the team quarterfinals. On the men's side, Japan defeated Sweden 3-1 and Germany defeated Taipei 3-2. On the women's side, uh, Germany defeated Korea 3-2 and China defeated Singapore 3-0. And then the women's team had a semifinal and that was Japan beating Hong Kong 3-0. In volleyball, men had their quarterfinals. Uh, ROC defeated Canada 3-0. Brazil defeated Japan 3-0. And Argentina defeated Italy 3-2. In women's water polo, we had the quarterfinals. USA defeated Canada 16-5. Spain defeated China 11-7. Hungary defeated Netherlands 14-11. ROC defeated Australia 9-8. And in the semifinals, it will be ROC versus USA and Spain versus Hungary. And in the fifth through eighth place classifications, it will be China versus Netherlands and Australia versus Canada. Maybe Marnie will be bring her drum. You could probably hear it in that venue. In weightlifting, it was a men's 109 kilo competition. Goals went to Uzbekistan's Akbar uh, Jiriev. Silver went to Armenia's Simon Martirosian. And La uh, Latvia's Artur Plesnik's won bronze. In wrestling, Arshuk Flastani Alejandro Sancho competed in the 67 kilo Greco-Roman uh, round of eight. He lost to ROC's Artem Surkov, 10 to 4. It was not pretty, I have to say. The the Russian just looked a bit stronger. But it was, it was hard to watch, not that it wasn't a good match, but mm -hmm. because I kept worrying that Sancho was really going to get hurt. Mm, yeah, he got rolled a lot on this one. So, But Sancho, you made it that far, so good for you. And in the... So they had finals in the men's Greco-Roman 77 kilos. Gold went to Hungary's Tomas Lorenz. Uh, silver went to Kyrgyzstan's Axel Mahmudov. Bronze went to Japan's Yabiku Shohei and Azerbaijan's Rafig Huznyov. 
In the men's Greco-Roman 97 kilos, gold went to ROC's Musa Evloev, silver went to uh, Armenia's Artur Alexinyan, bronze went to Poland's Atalius Michalik, and Iran's uh, Mohamedadi Saravi. In the women's freestyle 68 kilos, gold went to uh, Tamara Mariana Mensa-Stock from the U.S., so I really want to see her bout and want and her victory ceremony to hear Jason Bryant announce her her name because he gets so so proud and uh silver went to Nigeria's blessing over Rududu and bronzes went to uh Ukraine's Alta Cherkasova and Kyrgyzstan's Miriam Zhumanazarov <sighs> sorry I just need I need a moment <laughs> The fun thing, okay, one of the fun things about uh, Tamara Mensa stock is that in somehow in the the registrations and all of the standings, they reversed her names. So she's stock Mensa like they do family name first and then given name in Japan. So I kept, the first time I saw her, uh, compete, which was earlier on in her competition. I'm like, Stock Mensa. I thought she was Mensa Stock. And it was so confusing to me. And then I reached out to Jason. He's like, Yeah, they changed it around here. And it's just, if, you know, we're in day 10, day 11, and you're just losing your mind at this point. And I just cannot deal with somebody's switching somebody's name around on me. I have to rely on little portions of my brain actually still firing. And and now we would like to say a special thank you to our Patreon patrons whose ongoing financial support means the world to us. <laughs> Don't make me... I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I love we have... Oh, wait, no, it was day 12 today. Holy cow. <laughs> We've got five more days, but patrons, thank you so much for believing in us and, and supporting us. <laughs> If you would like to support this insanity, whatever it is now, go to patreon.com slash flame life pod. Hey. <laughs> What's our shook list on? <laughs> Which may be day 13, but I don't even know. Uh, thankfully, there's not a lot of shook list on going on tomorrow. So maybe we'll get some rest. Uh, Jacqueline Simino and partner Claudia Holzner compete in the finals of the duet artistic swimming competition. I hope the Greek sharks don't get them. <laughs> <laughs> or the Bulgarian baseball players. <laughs> or the can-can girls will just high kick them in the head. I was, I do have to say, I'm bummed that the can-can people don't have like little frills on their suits but what I guess a lost they, opportunity right you could put frills strategically and still have those super high cut suits because you want to show off the leg line just saying they managed to get headbands in neon colors <laughs> she's a maniac maniac in the pool you all you know who else is maniac or maniacs right now <laughs> you and me so i think it's time for us to say sayonara and as always, you can email us at flamealivepod at gmail.com or text or voicemail us at 208-352-6348. That's 208-FLAME-IT. 
Please don't forget our Kickstarter and help us reach the goal of bringing you on the ground coverage at Beijing. That's kickstarter.com slash profile slash flame alive pod. And, you know, if you haven't joined our Facebook group yet, it is hopping every night. So please look for that on Facebook. It's Keep the Flame Alive podcast. And we are Flame Alive Pod on Twitter and Insta as well and are having fun interacting with all of you. It's nice to have people to watch the games with. It's been great. So thank you so much. And as we go out to music by Mercury Sunset, thank you so much for listening. Until tomorrow, keep the flame alive. And then the search for